Great, so I don't know anyone in this room, which is very comforting, but uh, I know that since I'm always treated so nicely, I just want to correct one thing. I know it says harnessing digital footprints and next it is a thumbprint. I don't know, I think my designer just got it wrong. I, I know someone's going to bring it up. But I mean, this is a talk that I'm passionate about doing. For those of you that do know me, uh, I'm the CEO of Colony Live and I think that what I hope you'll get out of this talk this morning is that there is so much data available to you as radio stations that honestly I think the future is bright for radio. And I hope to show that to you this morning. And just to kick it off, I think as a premise, Colony Live, and the reason why I'm, I'm opening up with this is so that you understand, Colony Live is a cloud-based application. And the reason why it is cloud-based is simply because we want to be able to integrate with and receive as much information from the cloud, from your users, or from your listeners as possible. So there's no hardware, no software required. It is a South African product that has fortunately gone global. We are operating in different markets across the world. Um, and I want to show you today how we can unpack what your audience members are telling you on a daily basis without you even realizing it. So I hope there will be some questions at the end. I'm going to, because I'm pressed for time, I'm going to... Um, I suppose keep it quite high level, but if there is any questions, if you could just ask me at the end. So I think the first thing we have to start with is what is the problem that we need to solve as a platform? And, and, and I suppose this is in the context of the current reality that we face. So if we think about it, traditional media is under threat. We've seen print take a huge knock over the last number of years. Radio has plateaued in terms of growth. I think the latest numbers in South Africa, we were 7% four years ago. Now we're growing at about 3.8%. You look at developed markets like the U.S., they expected to grow 0.1% over the next five years. And that's from a revenue perspective. Before radio, I mean, before the internet, radio competed with print and television. Essentially, the marketing spend was distributed according to those three mediums. Since the internet and since the advent of social, social media, obviously that revenue base has been eroded over time. The reason is there's not more money going into advertising, it's just got more places to go to. And we have to ask ourselves a question, and we have to be quite brutal with ourselves and ask, why is it that digital poses such a big threat for radio in the future? And I think the answer to that question is that digital is extremely measurable. That's the challenge. People can measure digital advertising. They can measure how many impressions went out, how many click-throughs. They can target specific individuals. And until we get radio to the point where it can act like a digital agent, we're going to be in trouble. But I do think that there is hope. And I think that there's great value in what I'm about to show you this morning and about what you have as radio stations. So how do we harness the power behind your digital or the digital identities of your listeners? How do we do that as a radio station? Traditionally, radio has always been a broadcast medium. We're pushing content out there. We are assuming that we are reaching a number of people. We have different metrics to tell us how many people within our audience fit specific subsets of the, of the uh, demographic. But in our, in our environment and in our sort of system, we've developed three ways to help you understand who your listeners are and harness those digital identities. And the first of which is engagement. So a station that is actively engaging with the audience, a station that requires the audience to participate with them, is a station that we believe will remain relevant for years to come. And I want to say that if you're not engaging with your audience, and what I mean by engagement is any way that you are receiving communication from your audience. 
enticing them to enter a competition, enticing them to comment on a particular topic, maybe getting them to vote on a poll, or maybe it's voting on a song. Whatever the case may be, every single engagement that your listeners have with you is valuable. And we've got to see those engagements as being valuable, and we've got to get our listeners to communicate with us. Of course, engagement is bi-directional. Traditionally, we're speaking to the audience, but with technology advancing the way it has, you can now respond individually to a listener. And I want to say this to you, that it opens up the mind of your listener. When you actually respond to them as a station and say, thanks for your message, thanks for listening to my show, people start to think that radio has become personal as opposed to one-directional. The next thing is that at the end of every engagement is an analysis tool. Where did that engagement come from? What payload does that message contain? And I want to say that we are a cross-platform application, so different messages Will, re will yield different payloads. If I interact with you on social media, on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, we get a fair amount of data from your listener without even having to ask a single question. On pure text messaging applications like SMS or USSD, the analog bearers, there is less to get. But what's still important is people are talking to you. That means they're saying something. So if we can analyze what people are saying to you, there's got to be some value in that, and I'll show you how that works out a bit later. And then, of course, the premise behind what we are doing as a digital platform for radio is enabling radio stations to be able to monetize this data that they're getting. And I hope that through this presentation, you'll get an understanding of how valuable this data could potentially become. So the first thing, at an engagement level, we are very practically giving a tool that allows DJs in studio, presenters, as well as producers back office, the ability to receive multiple streams of communication. So gone are the days where a DJ or a presenter in studio will have to rely on 15 different tabs open on their browser to be able to understand what listeners are saying to them. We can consolidate everything in one place. You see, as technology advances, as the Internet of Things progresses, and as the world becomes more and more connected, we don't need to have as many devices, as many browsers, as many tabs. We can consolidate information. But there's an underarching and an overarching reason why we need to consolidate data. Is that as it stands right now, radio stations across this country and radio stations across the world do one thing and do one thing very well. And that is pushing their audiences to social channels. You know, I said at the beginning that one of the threats that radio is facing is this proliferation. Prolifer my gosh. <laughs> proliferation. I don't have a voice for radio. <laughs> this proliferation of social streams. But there's not a show that goes by that I don't hear where somebody's talking about their Facebook handle, their Twitter profile, engaging with us through Instagram. And all this data that is currently being generated on these platforms is currently sitting on those platforms. Now, what I'm not saying is that we can ever live in a world where we discard social media. In fact, social media can be our friend. But what's important is for you to pull that data out of those environments and put them into one place. Why? Because one day you're going to need to access that data, and let me tell you, it pains you big time when you've got to pay Facebook for access to your own audience. So engagements bring everything into the platform. From an analysis perspective, and this is really important, behind every single radio station, behind every single engagement, behind every single interaction that your listener has with you as a station is not a cell phone. It's not a Facebook handle or a Twitter handle or an Instagram account. Behind every single engagement is a person. And what's important for us to understand is that if we can get to, get to know who the person is, if we can get to know what makes them tick, if we can get to know what they like and dislike, we can better reach them in the future. 
both at a macro level with proper programming, but also at a very micro level. So we treat data and people as that. They are people. We like to consolidate people's engagements into profiles. You can't really see it. It's a bit blurry. It's not blurry on my side. But these are individuals that are engaging with the radio station. Every single interaction helps us to understand who the person behind that interaction is. And I'm sure you'll agree with me that if you could know your listeners by name, would that be valuable to you? Right now, we tend to speak to our audiences in the third person. This is our audience. And we've got a, a contextual understanding of who they are demographically because we've looked at the latest BRC Rams data, which is 50 days old by the time it's released anyway. Right now, we need to understand the granular data. Who are the people behind what we do? And then, of course, once you understand who your audience is, and I'm going to show you now how we harness these digital footprints, or thumbprints in this case, you're able to actually understand who your audience is in real time. No longer do you have to wait per quarter to get a report. And I want to say this. I'm not here this morning to knock any metrics that are out there. But one thing that I've come, come to realize is no matter which market we operate in, no matter what radio station I speak to, whether, whether they're in a developed market like the US or Canada, or in a developing market like Namibia, every radio station is unhappy with the current ratings environments. And the reason for that is the level of representation that they feel that they get from the respondents. Now, I want to say this to you. If we had to imagine there's a massive radio station in South Africa, in fact, the biggest radio station in the world, when we look at the total amount of respondents that are contributing to that data set, you're looking at about 700 people out of a potential listening audience of 7 million. It doesn't make any sense. But when you start to harness the power behind the engagement data, when people that are talking to you and consistently engaging with you, and we start to turn those people into actual numbers and statistics, you could end up with a respondent size of 400,000 people in a particular show or on a particular campaign. And when you've got that information, when you have the power to understand and break down that information into nuts and bolts, you can go and sell that information, and I'm not saying sell the data, sell access to your audience to the right advertisers at the right time. So monetization happens in two ways. The first way is what we've called the Engage Audience Metrics. We aim to release as Colony Live the first Engage Audience Metric report this year before the end of the year. Essentially, that's going to look at a station's engagement level. How many people are actively engaging with the station? Who are these people? What demographic do they fall within? And what's important to note about that as well is that the engaged audience metric is not based on a quarter-by-quarter -quarter cycle. It's based on a minute-by-minute -minute view. You can now determine your engaged audience in the last five minutes, in the last two weeks, on a particular show, during a piece of sponsored content. And that now becomes powerful to sell to potential advertisers or sponsors. The next layer is what we call MIMA, or micro-in-market audiences. The ability for radio to understand who your audience is, what they're interested in, to be able to create buckets of people or personas that you can remarket to online. That's a powerful tool. When I say that often in radio station presentations, and I want to say this is not a South African thing, radio stations get very scared when I talk about remarketing. But I'll get to that a bit later. These are actual numbers. This particular chart was pulled, in fact, yesterday morning on our system. This shows an actual radio station in South Africa. It shows the demographic sample and I've kept it high level. This report actually is six pages long, going right the way down to LSM grouping, interest fields, and so on and so forth. But for now, you've got a base overview of an audience on a particular show in the morning on one radio station in this country. Now, what's important for you to understand, and the numbers that you need to take note of and you can't really see, is this report represents 40,000 people. 40,000 people that you can now build data on. 
Now again, when you go sit in front of an advertiser as a sales team or whatever environment that you're in trying to push people to spend more money traditionally on your station, because here's the thing. Although we're a digital platform and although we are pu pushing to a future where digital revenue is a big growth area, what I do want to say to you is the nuts and bolts of your income stream, the revenue that radio stations generate, is still going to come from traditional spend. So the more you want to get out of it means the more data you need to be able to share with advertisers. Imagine being able to go and sit in front of someone and say, what type of audience are you trying to reach? And being able to pull a report in real time and say, well, I know exactly which segment you need to fit with them. And not only from seven people or 700 people, from, from potentially 70,000 people. This particular station has over 400,000 people that are consolidated into the reporting engine. How do we get there? Because you might be thinking, well, that's amazing. But how did you actually build that data? Are you running some survey engine? Are you asking people questions? Do you have people in the field? Are there field reporters, field agents trying to get all this data in? Well, let me show you. This is actual data coming into a radio station. Six interactions. Consumers doing what the consumer does or the listener does with the radio station. They're voting for a song. They're sending a shout out to their girlfriend on the, on, or to his girlfriend on her birthday. He is commenting on a particular issue. He's entering a competition. All of these engagements are coming from different streams, from Twitter to SMS to you know, social media environments like Facebook and Instagram. And every interaction has that payload attached to it. After six interactions, and what's important to note is that there's a time frame from January to April, four months, this particular listener is engaged six times. We are able to start pulling out a demographic profile and a psychographic profile on who this individual is. Now, what we all need to understand is that this is continuously happening in your stations if you are engaging. This data is flowing all the time, in and out, in and out. Before Colony Live, the data was treated as just live data. How do I read a message on air and get it done and over with and then forgotten about? But what we want to try and do is resurrect the value of historic data, combine it with current data and produce valuable reporting and insights. That's six interactions over four months. There's something to be said, though, in a different example, for the quality of the call to actions. This is one con listener entering over a period of three months, three interactions, average one interaction per month. But what's interesting is the mechanic on air can also help us build data far quicker. If we ask the right questions, if we include the right type of things in the mechanics that we go to air with, your responses and the payload that we get back from your listeners can be far more valuable. In one interaction, we've got a mobile number or a name, a gender, because we've got a gender mining tool that starts to look at names and determines a gender, both you know, English traditional names, vernacular names, you name it. We've got the ability to look for things like locations within a message. We've got the ability to look for things like sentiment in a message. We've got the ability to look for things like relationship statuses within a message. And all of these miners are actively running. So the more we can get the listeners to tell us, the more we can identify about them. Three interactions, we end up with a far more detailed profile than six interactions. But again, what's important to note is that in the absence of engagement, this becomes moot. In fact, it doesn't become moot, it becomes impossible. So can I encourage you this morning that you need to drive engagements as far and as wide as possible across any channel that you guys currently support. And this is not just on-air interactions, because I get it. You know, radio shows are busy times. You've got certain things that you need to get through, and we're not here trying to tell you what to do. All we're saying is just talk to your listeners, and even offline. When they're engaging you with, your, with you on social media, outside of your on-air environment, we can capture those interactions as well. What is going to come, and, and this is important because I want you guys to understand 
what the future is of being able to harness digital profiles. We'll be releasing this onto our platform in the next probably three to four months. The ability now, because of social media and, of course, WhatsApp, voice notes, people sending selfies of themselves. I mean, selfies, everyone loves to take pictures of themselves. We've built an image recognition environment as well, where if your listener sends in an image to you, I mean, you can't really see it, but this is a person mountain biking. We're able to identify that this is an individual, and this individual is on a mountain bike. And not only is he on a mountain bike, he's in the country. What that does for us from a data harnessing perspective is it starts to tell us a little bit about this particular individual or the person that they're speaking to. Or we can take it to the next level and say, well, how do we actually determine from a profile picture on Facebook if this is a male or a female? But not just that, how old are they? Isn't that powerful? The ability to now to suck in the profile picture from Twitter and then think of the fact that we could know immediately if they're male or female. And again, all of this is done without asking a single question. This is just listening to what your listeners, or in this case, watching what your audience has to say to them. And then, of course, we think of, well, what happens if they send pictures of celebrities? We've got a celebrity database that we're busy consolidating now. So if somebody does send in a picture of a celebrity, we're going to be able to identify that, hang on, that's actually not the listener. This is whoever it is. So we're getting more and more clever. This is about deep machine learning on interactions and on engagements. And then for me, probably the most important tool is the ability to recognize similarity between images. We did a test yesterday. I took my son at two years old, put it into our system, we ingested the photo, and then I took a, my son at 10 years old. The system determined that it was the same person. How does it do this without getting into the technicalities? It creates a vector diagram of a person's face, which actually doesn't change over time. It changes very marginally. So what's important is we can track your listeners and track recognition of them across different streams, across different platforms, and what's nice is we can merge profiles. And I'll tell you how that happens. I send in a message today, and I'm talking to you on WhatsApp. We pick up the profile image, we store it in our database. We map that to a vector image. Three weeks later, I send in a Facebook Messenger post. I pull in the profile picture of Facebook. The system says, but hang on, that picture and this picture look very much similar. Now what we've got is the ability to identify the same person across multiple channels. Because here's the thing. Your listeners aren't just engaging with you on SMS or on Twitter, or on Facebook. They are most likely going to be engaging with you across multiple streams. So the key is to identify who the listener is and then work out the different ways that they're communicating with you. Other innovations that we are going to be releasing within the next 12-month cycle of our sprint cycles is a tool called the Autobot. So my developers are transformer crazy. So they've called this the Autobot. What the Autobot does is understands that you as a radio station might have certain pieces of information that are important to you. And that could be different. Different markets have different things. For example, how we build data in South Africa is very different to how we build data in the US. The US radio stations look for different criteria. Things like zip codes become far more important. They're not important in South Africa. The ability to customize your data set per station and say, listen, for me, I want base demographic information to start with. That's a standard. But on top of that, I want to build certain key pieces of information. Those key pieces of information are inferred by what your advertisers are looking for. So your sales teams become quite active. What do you guys want? What kind of audience are you trying to engage? Can you see how this discussion actually starts to sound like a digital discussion now? It actually sounds like you're selling digital inventory. In fact, you're selling traditional free-to-air broadcast inventory. What Autobot will do is say, as people are engaging with your station, it will make sure that it asks the right question in response. So, for example, 
Maybe the, the system understands everything demographically there is to know about me, but what it doesn't know is what car I drive. I send in a Facebook message uh, through Messenger into the platform. Autobot says, hang on, we know this is Marco, but we want to know what car drives. He'll respond to me directly through Facebook Messenger. Or he'll respond to me on WhatsApp. Or he'll respond to me on SMS. Whatever mechanism I'm using to communicate at that particular point in time, Autobot will respond and build up the data. What that means is that you can build data far quicker than doing it the passive approach. Passive mining will always happen, and that's what I've been showing you now. All those engagements, looking through the data, understanding what people are saying, will happen consistently throughout. But now we can step up a level and say, let's actually ask the right questions at the right time. Or maybe Autobot will just be there to wish a listener happy birthday. Or to tell them congratulations for winning in some particular sport, because we've identified that their image actually results in them winning the karate competition in Belito Bay. That's for you, Jonathan. The next thing is we're looking at predictive analysis. The ability now to be able to understand what your listeners are most likely going to be able to do. We're already playing around with certain things, and the results are amazing. We can actually determine which one of your listeners is going to enter a competition before they even enter. And how we do that is we take all your historic data, we plug it into a deep learning environment and tell the system, track this person's propensity to enter competitions when the prize is X or Y or Z. The ability now for you to get a pre-campaign number. What do you think Colony Live, the total engagements will be in this competition? Oh, it'll be 65,000 if we can predict correctly. So far, our tests are pretty accurate. The next thing is predictive clustering. The ability now to take people and turn them into buckets of individuals, understanding that people might move from one cluster to the next. And what I mean by that is you might be talking to a very specific persona during a very specific show. Maybe it's a late-night talk show, and you talk to a very specific demographic. Again, we can put people into that bucket. It doesn't mean they live isolated in that bucket, but now you have a bucket of people that comply with certain pieces of information that are valuable for a particular advertiser or advertisers. And all of these things, all of these innovations, all of these tools are designed by their very nature to help you as a station actually get to know who the end listener actually is behind your conversation. And that's what we feel the future of radio is all about. I don't think, and I, and I say this maybe because I'm passionate about radio, I honestly don't think that there's a better mechanism to build data quickly. We operate digital platforms for FMCG brands, and we've got another sister product called Colony, which is run on FMCG campaigns and for big brands, including brands like Coca-Cola. But what we found without fail is that radio stations are able to build good data, valuable data, far quicker than anybody else we've ever worked with. And that's where I think the power behind radio is. Because if we're, if we're moving into a future where the future of our world is about data, it's about the currency in data, it's about the value behind the data. And I want to say this is not a big data talk, because big data, to be honest, scares the living hell out of me. What I want to say to you is that it's about small data. It's about granular data. It's about people and things and interests and likes. Now I want to talk to you about MEMA. So if we can agree that we can commercialize data that we build up, what does the future hold for us three to six years from now? Perhaps even ten years for some stations. The more developed you are, the more likely you are to get this. And I normally keep this at the end of my presentation because by this point I've scared everybody. Okay, they don't know what's going on. They think like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to kill us. I've just told you that we still believe in making most of your money on traditional advertising spend. But what about the rest? How do we give you as a radio station a seat at the digital table? And this is again also about harnessing and building digital profiles. 
So let's imagine client A offers tra travel opportunities. They do experiences and many high-value goods. High-value experiences. They do Mauritian, trip, Mauritian holidays. This is a case study. They want to be able to generate leads to be able to retarget or remarket to online. What we do is we use a traditional sponsorship package on a radio station where the DJ goes to air and says to his listeners, listen, I've just spent a million rand on holidays in the last six months. That's a bit of an exaggeration. But tell me how much you spent because I think holidays are expensive. Of course, listeners like to moan, so everybody starts to respond. They tell you a whole lot about what they've spent. We're looking for people that have spent in excess of 50,000 rand or more. Colony Live is able to aggregate that data and bucket it. Say, these are the people that go on cheap holidays and these are the people that go on expensive holidays. I want to keep those people that are expensive people in one particular bucket. The next week, the content on air that the DJ presents to the listener, and by the way, this is all sponsored by this advertiser anyway, he's paying for these spots, is they want to know where you would go on holiday if you could go anywhere in the world. So maybe it's going to the beach or the bush or going skiing or going hunting, whatever it is that tickles your fancy. Again, because this particular holiday company is driving beach holidays and island holidays in particular, we want to isolate those people that are interested in those types of holidays. Now, if you haven't figured it out already, what we've done in week one is built a control group of people that can afford to go on holiday. This is about harnessing these digital thumbprints. Week two, we actually figure out who are the people that can afford to go and want to go to beach holidays and we create a supergroup. That effectively becomes a little bucket of people that we can go back to advertiser and say, listen to me, if we can give you from a traditional radio show access to 512 people that are highly engaged, that can afford to go on holiday, and more importantly, want to go on beach holidays, how much are you willing to rent that audience from us? And when I say rent the audience, what we've done in the background is digitize these 512 people. Whether they've come in from SMS, from WhatsApp, from Facebook Messenger, wherever they've come from, we're able to take them, convert them into what we call a digital cookie. And it sounds rude, but it's just a cookie. It's a tag. That tag can be remarketed to online. So what happens now is that particular customer says, of course they want to be able to advertise to these people. They want to put these specials in front of the right people because why? They are tired of going to Google, going to Facebook, and buying a lookalike audience. You can buy audiences and say, I want to speak to high net worth individuals, but you have no idea who these people are. In fact, you don't know anything about them. You are taking Google's word or Facebook's word for this. Unfortunately, in this case, they will be listening to you as a station and taking your word for it. But what's important is we can actually determine, of those 512 people, we actually know who they are. The minute they click online and go to browse their Facebook page, we can put the ad in front of them across 98% of the web. These ads can be served wherever programmatic advertising is being served, essentially remarketing for radio. I'm sure there's... Lots of people in this room that have ordered from Zando before, right? You go look for that pair of shoes or that handbag, and before you know it, that handbag is following you around the internet. That thing is everywhere all the time. It never leaves you, right? And there's a problem in that because Zando can't do one thing. What Google doesn't know that you've actually gone and bought the shoes already. What we're saying is that you can now as a radio station can offer remarketing to your audience, to your advertisers online. And again, everyone's now probably thinking, oh my gosh, but just to give you a bit of understanding, there's a little bit of a flowchart here. But currently, on banner ads, if you've done everything right and you are a rock star and the stars have aligned for you perfectly, you're lucky if you get 1% to 1.5% conversion on a click-through. On these MEMA campaigns, our customers are getting 8% plus click-through. And you have to again ask yourself why. 
It's a small audience that's highly engaged, that's highly targeted, and is very relevant. There's a thing called recency, frequency, and monetary value that we deal with in our platform. It's a model that we've built. If I can put the right ad in front of the right person at the right time, that person is valuable. So these ads now become valuable to the listeners that are interested in them. But what's more important, and I want to end off with this particular point in this, on this topic, is that we are putting your advertisers in front of your listeners for the first time. That's never been able to be done. And what's, what's more is you can actually compete or you can serve these ads on any website, even your competitor websites. That's me. Are there any questions? I've been told to... Oh gosh, Nick, I'm worried. Let's start here. So just in terms of we are currently and we'll be releasing an integration that we've just done with a South African company uh, in the next couple of w weeks now where we are able to ingest the terrestrial broadcast data that's being ingested, overlay that against interaction and engagement data. So effectively when an engagement comes in, whether there's a, sp a spike or a trough, whatever the case is, we can overlay what was actually broadcast at that particular moment in time. Along with that comes a whole lot of metadata. So what is the content, what was the song, a whole bunch of stuff. Obviously, what that does for the presenter or the DJ at that particular time is helps them to understand, is their content, what they're speaking to, driving engagement or not? Okay, and that can be monitored as close to real time, in fact, within a, a five-minute delay. But I think what's also important is that stations need to become more prescriptive, and I, and I say that in inverted commas because I know it doesn't work for all stations, where presenter data should be flowing through the station environment as well. So, for example, if you've got a personality, you know, Gareth Cliff, who's got millions of Twitter followers. There's value in that, even though that's his personal following. How does the station leverage off those in engagements? There is, I mean, it's quite easy to do. We just link the two profiles together. So I think it's a bit of both. Yes, we can overlay and understand how content is driving engagement. Is it talking to the right persona or profile? But more importantly is, can we actually get the engagement data in, which is, which is mandatory, mandatory? And if that answered your question. Yeah, it actually does. Okay, sorry. I'm not a clever guy. <laughs> Nick? Marco, you're essentially setting yourself up as a DFP for radio, really. So, yep. where do you see yourself operating in the programmatic stack for terrestrial so radio? Do you, are, do you, are, you gonna, are you gonna then go up the value chain and do that, or are you gonna build APIs that integrate with that? Yeah, so we don't actually, so there's the direct selling approach that the stations would do using the data that they've built, because obviously that data belongs to you. So from an integration perspective, we're already having chats with people like Blue Kai, Crux, where we can expose the anonymized data set and get agencies and media agencies to buy against those tags. So we don't ever see us as a primary reseller of the data, but more exposing buckets of people um, that you know, potentially buy, guys could buy against with a revenue share going to the stations. So where we saw this as an opportunity, is, and you'll remember Nick very well, I mean, 
2006, radio stations made a fortune of income from SMS revenue. You know, you've got people to engage on SMS, you've got a fat check at the end of every month. That's dead now. So we've been thinking long and hard for years now, saying, how can we resurrect that type of model? Now, if we can get good data and bucket it the right way, at the end of every month, you should be getting a check from a media agency who's bought against your data. Correct. On, on, on the MIMA side, yes. But I think what's also valuable from a direct approach is the understanding of your audience to capture more traditional spend. So what, I, what we also have to just, and, and something we haven't really ironed out or thought through, well, we've thought through it, but the stations need to determine this, is in my mind, micro in-market audiences work hand-in-hand -hand with on-air programming. The moment we separate those two, then we're just really becoming data, a data warehouse. So if we can use case studies like this particular one where the on-air content is paid for, we're driving for a particular result and then digitizing that audience and giving it back to the advertiser, that for me is where the true value is. So at the low end of that, we've worked on a multiplier of 10. So let's assume there's 100,000 perceived audience based on BRC RAMS data. Then we generally would get about 10,000 unique profiles of that. In some markets, far higher. So what we've done in the US, which I'm sure you will know in particular, Nielsen, who's doing the, the ratings, I mean, a lot of stations are actually choosing to no longer be rated at all because it's too expensive for them. The costs are too high. And again, they feel that they're underrepresented in the specific markets. You go to work in a station in Jackson, Mississippi, they've got like 15 people that are part of their radio diaries. Now for them, you know, the ability to now go to an advertiser, they are unrated, and say to them, in the last three hours, we've got 6,000 engagements, unique engagements, which would mean, theoretically, if I multiply that by 10, I've got 60,000 people listening to my station. That's a number that they can take to the bank. What we are not saying to any radio station here is that your engaged audience is your only number. We know that the engaged audience is far less than the actual people that are listening. But when you can work out that number, then you can apply multiple to it, whether it's 10, 20, 50, to determine what the potential entire audience would be. But what we have found is that no matter which market we're in, the discrepancy between engaged audience data in terms of who your audience says they are in our demographics versus the ratings data is always different, you know, which, is very, which is very interesting on its own. Um, in, the, in the retail sector, particularly uh, in the malls um, overseas in America, we're finding more and more retailers are moving into online space. Have you guys uh, got ghost tags or, or conversion tags to track actual purchases or applications <coughs> that you're selling? Yeah, so we've got the ability to plug into environments, you know, with Google's ad network now, where they are working on a geolocated ability now to drive to determine propensity if you've displayed an ad and that ad is relevant to a particular location, has that person ever gone to the location? That's as far as we've taken it um, right now. I mean, obviously, as technology unfolds and as point-of-sale systems start to get integrated, as more things start to happen and in-store mechanics start to drive and pick up people, people's whole lot of stuff out of their devices, you'll be able to do that. We haven't really explored that uh, right now. I mean, right now, as you can see, it's really rudimentary stuff. I mean, we want to talk to people that can buy holidays. Cool. Let's find out who these people are on radio. Let's build the bucket and let's put your ads in front of those people. But I think the future obviously opens up many opportunities for this type of technology.